With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. No BS with the bull, Manny Fernandez. Episode three here on VOC Nation Wrestling Network, the voice of choice, Bruce Sport, and the one and only, the raging bull, Manny Fernandez. How's your week going, Manny? My week's going great. You know, it's bad weather. It looks like it's gone here in the state of, state of Texas. You know, you get bad weather here and you get the hail. We get a golf ball size, top ball size hail. Everything yeah. in the state of Texas is big, you know. Everything's <laughs> bigger in Texas. Yeah, it's been a tough winter across most of the U.S. Were you part of that deep freeze that hit Texas a couple of uh, weeks ago? It just cost me over uh, $1,200 in plumbing to get all my plumbing done in my bathroom and my kitchen. And it all froze and busted. I had a daggone lake in my house. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we were it hit us pretty hard. It hit us pretty hard. I was pretty lucky when I never lost power. That's one thing I was happy about. Yeah, that was a major thing. I mean, half half the state, right, lost power and couldn't couldn't get anything done, couldn't get food, grocery stores backed up. It it was nuts. That's why I hate politicians. They never get (laughs) there. They always lie to people. They never get their story straight. And they probably had everything that they needed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about happy things today. And uh, with a topic today, we're going to get into the Samoans a little bit later in the show, but we're going to talk about respecting the business. And I, I think, you know, you and I have talked a lot on and off the air 
and the first couple episodes, we spent a lot of time on your background and you getting into professional wrestling. But the theme that keeps coming up when you and I talk off the air is just the respect you have for the business. And you've said it a bunch of time, the business doesn't owe you anything and you feel like you want to keep giving back to this business. So let's kind of start there. How did you develop the respect for the business that you have, Manny? What Give, give me some of uh, some of that. You, you get into the business, Terry and, and uh, Dick Murdoch get you into the business. And um, how did you develop the respect that you have for it right now? Well, it's because of those guys, black, especially the one Blackjack Mulligan. You know, he was pretty tough, and, and you disrespect the business. He put you in your place right away or smacked you in the next week with them big old monster hands he had. But that the way I saw those guys, you know, before I got, when I was just driving around with them and hanging out, watching it, and watching them perform and everything in the ring, I just noticed that these guys respected one another so much, and they took care of their business. How they took care of it, it was like the mafia taking care of their business. They protected it so well. And they didn't let people talk about it or try to play it down or, or disrespect it. And that's what got me interested in these guys because, you know, they walked in a place and you you had enough guts to disrespect the business. You got to put it in your place pretty pretty quick, pretty quick. And, and not pretty, pretty solid. <laughs> pretty, you know, you'd be spitting your teeth out. But that's what I learned because I kind of grew up that way. You know, I grew up in the Barrios of California and all the guys that grew up in my neighborhood, we all stuck together, junior high, elementary school, junior high, high school. So it was a pretty close group of guys that we looked out for one another and had each other's back. And that's what I loved about these guys. That's what they did. They looked out for one another, whether it was in the ring, how they reacted, made sure. I've, I've seen occasions where a fan tried to get on one of the, the heels and attack the heel and the baby face say something. The next thing you know, he ducks and that baby face nails that fan. You know, they protected each other. And I, that's one thing I admired about them. But I admired is, you know, I always saw the business as one of the hardest things to get into. It was harder than getting into the business in the mafia because these guys defended and protected. Back in the day, you had to be born into the business, second generation of, uncles into the business, third generation of people pass the bloodlines down, or you had to be one tough son of a bitch because if you were interested in the business, they were going to put guys in there like Luke Dez, Carl Gotch, and Bill, Billy Robinson, and guys that could hook, even back in the day when they had Ed Strangler Lewis, they had guys like that around, they, they, tore, they could tear your limbs out, break every bone in your body. They made you respect the business, and they made you defend it. And your day is a joke. I mean, you see, like we said, we're talking around some some bozo with hands in his pocket. I would have loved to see him walk in a rowdy Texas bar and, and somebody confront him and uh, put your hands in your pocket, see what happens. That ain't going to happen. You know, that's why it's a joke. And people think it's a damn joke. It's a circus because they have no respect for what they're doing, really. They don't uh, defend the business, protect the business. They just make a mockery of it. In my eyes, that's what I see. But that's what got me so interested. Is these guys are so daggone protective of the business. It was like it was like their well, it was their livelihood. That's all they had. That's what they had. money to feed their families, to buy, pay their rent, their mortgages, to travel. I mean, they defended that because that's all they had. 
Yeah, and and it wasn't today. It's entertainment. It's known as entertainment. Yeah. Vince McMahon peeled the veil back in 1986 or 87. I forget when it was. But back back when you came up, the champion of a territory was challenged. Right when when you went out to a bar, the the tough guy in the bar would challenge the champion because uh, it wasn't it wasn't at least publicly known that the business was a work and they wanted to try their hand at beating the local champion. Didn't that happen a lot? Yeah, it happened a lot. I saw it happen, uh, you know, but <laughs> that's why these guys were so tough and I respect them for that. But I remember one occasion back in the day when uh, Hardy, you know, Hardy Race is one tough, tough, tough SOB. I mean, that was one human being. And, you know, 90% of his body was uh, metal from that car wreck. <laughs> he had a metal plate in his head and everything, you know, arms and stuff. But Harley Race, I've seen him one time in a bar, a guy getting uh, acting stupid. You know, Charlie Race was a world champion. And we used to hang out at a place in Tampa, Florida called the Level 3 Lounge, and they had three levels. So we walked in. That was one of my favorite hangouts. So if I walked in and saw one of the heels on the lower part of the bar, I'd go all the way to the third floor and hang out there because I didn't want to be near him. But I, one time I was in there and scuffle was going on. I heard somebody talking and they said some guy was giving Harley Race a hard time. And Harley Race had an unbelievable grip on him. And the guy was kept talking shit and got close to Harley. He put his hand on the bar and Harley just grabbed his hand and started squeezing it till, till the guy literally fell to his knees. And that ended that. You know what I'm saying? You didn't wow. have to throw a punch, but that ended that. He just squeezed him. He just squeezed him till he dropped his knees and told him to get away from him. But That's by then, the bouncers threw the guy out. You know what I'm saying? The bouncers came to a guy out. Because they had a lot of the bouncers and guys in Tampa had a lot of respect for the wrestlers. That's just one of the occasions that happened. You know, this, I've had a few people come up to me, too. You know, you're not so big. and How could you be champion? And whatever, dude. And, what? you know. Was it Bill Watts that used to say, and maybe there was more promoters than this, but if you ever lost a bar fight, don't bother, don't bother coming back to the locker room yeah. the next the next show because because you just you just lost your your aura, right? Yep. Yeah. That's that was Eddie Graham is another one. If you're stupid enough to get a fight and somebody challenges you, you better win that fight. Yeah. I better not hear you lost that fight. So, you know, there's a lot of promoters like that. Old uh, Dory Funk Sr. He was a tough old guy, you know, and he was another one that believed in that. You know, you had to back up or you couldn't let nobody disrespect the business. You better do something about it quick. And that was, you know, that's the way the business was run for, what, half a century or more? Jeez, 60, 70 years. Yeah. Before it all started turning around, but. Yeah, you had to be pretty tough, and you had to love the business and, and love what you were doing to respect it enough to defend it, and that's what I did. Once I got into it, you know, I, I defended it with everything I had. Well, I got stabbed eight times in San Antonio because of it, you know, so, you know, I just, something I that's very dear to my heart is this profession. It's given me a platform to do, be who I am and do what I am. That's why I say Business don't owe me nothing. I owe the business everything it's given me. I want to ask you. you know, my... I want to ask you about wrestling schools in, in a minute, and and I know that you have one that you you coach. But um, 
I got to go back. I can't let you get past that that stabbing story. G- give me more on the the story in San Antonio because that's that's scary. Uh, that 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 probably was uh, a very scary incident for you. Oh, it was. It was. I mean, it, it was. You know, back then I was you know still young and full of wild and vinegar and piss and vinegar and, and beer and whatever else I can get into my system, but. Uh, it was just one of those nights, you know, you go hang out at a strip club and I had a girl there that I was seeing off and on and just everybody was real nice there. And you go to strip clubs because in the back of your mind, you don't think anybody's going to bother you because, hell, you got those beautiful girls up there. Why are you going to bother me? You know, you sure. get your eyes on the girls and keep your eyes away from me. But no, every now and then you're still going to get a little smart ass. And, and that one night it was me and Tony Blanchard were out there and there was a bunch of bikers in there, uh, the outlaw bikers, and they were in the bar too. There was about six or seven of them, and you know things were talking, good conversation with the girls, and they were saying about us being pro wrestlers, this and that. So, you know, I got a little push and shoving in there, and nothing happened in there. So, we went after it closed down. We went to Denny Denny's restaurant, Denny's restaurant, and we go in there, and we, Lord <laughs> behold, we go inside, and all them bikers are in there. So. We're like, oh, wow, okay, cool. So we go inside, go order a meal, and uh, I go to the bathroom, and I come back, and these guys are arguing with Tully, these bikers, and I'm going like, oh, no, this ain't going to happen. And I got in the middle, so what are you, you know, what, what, what is it you're up to? What's your business here, man? You got no business with us, and we got no business with you. And one guy says, you need to shut up and get out of, your, get out of my face. Oh, and it was a long thing to say. <laughs> Had the wrong thing to say. Well, I hit him, dragged the snatches in, threw him through the window, through the window, and, and the guy behind him, his partner behind him, started hitting me on the side. And I said, man, that's not as hard as you can hit. I didn't know he was stabbing me. I thought he was hitting me. Oh, so I boy. turned around, him, boom, boom, boom. The next thing I know, he's, he's stabbing me in my arm. He stabbed me five times in the arm that went through my arm. Oh, boy. And I said, oh, my God. And so I took my one of them big belt buckles I had on my belt and uh, rodeo belt buckle. I took my belt up and started whacking him upside the head. And, you know, and I was losing so much blood. Everything went, no, I passed out after that. But all I know is uh, one of the waitresses there tried to tourniquet on my arm. Yeah, because, again, uh, they had to get rushed me to the hospital. But that's what happened. When, you know, that's part of defending the business. You know, these guys thought, well, you're just a bunch of phony, uh, fake pro wrestlers. Uh, and they found out we weren't too phony, you know? Yeah. Of course, they had, they had to cheat a little bit, stab me. <laughs> but everything came out all right. I just spent a couple of days in the hospital because I lost so much blood. No disqualifications in a, uh, in a, in a bar fight, right? Yeah, no, that's not even a bar fight. That's a Denny's fight. There's no disqualifications in a Denny's fight. The Denny's restaurant fight. <laughs> but, you know, it was quick thinking of that uh, waitress that kind of kept me from bleeding to death, probably. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the, I got big, five big scars on my right arm where the knife went through my, all the way through my arm. And, and it's one of those occasions. But, you know, there's, there's many things. A lot of guys, you know, you talk about people like the Samoans and stuff like that. Those, those guys protected the business they didn't play around either but they destroyed people 
<laughs> I just beat you up. They can destroy you. <laughs> By the grace of but God, me, you're still around. You're still here with us. Yeah, well, they talk about that. And, you know, I got in Lexington, uh, North Carolina, I got shot with a 25 in the middle of the stomach for defending the business. Oh, I've been shot twice, stabbed eight times, but I'm still here. Thank God. You're still here. <laughs> uh, Manny, when, we're, I want to take a short break. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about, you know, how, it, how difficult it was to get into wrestling and the difference now with wrestling schools and um, the respect oh. for the business and, and then versus now. So let's do that on the other side of the break. Remember, this is no BS with the bull here on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. You can get this show commercial free, commercial free audio and video. At least you get to look at my ugly face, Manny. Uh, Manny's audio only, but you get commercial free shows of this wrestling with history with Bill Apter and Ken Resnick in the room featuring uh, former WCW star, the maestro, uh, the great Shelly Martinez, who was Ariel in WWE and Salinas and TNA, all that stuff and more available at VOC Nation's premium channel. Go to premium.vocnation.com. It all starts for about $3 a month. We'll be back in just a few minutes right here on No with the bull manny fernandez here on the voc nation wrestling network hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, Former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. Former WCW star The Maestro. NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Back here on No BS with the Bull, Manny Fernandez, the Raging Bull. And we thank you for listening. No BS. 
We thank you for listening. Uh, lots of lots of great numbers the first couple of weeks, Manny. So uh, we encourage people to tune in. You can get it absolutely free on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed. So just search for VOC Nation Wrestling Network on your favorite podcast app. Go to vocnation.com. You get an easy link and you can subscribe and you get all of our shows. And uh, we have tons of great hosts. We take you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in professional wrestling history with insiders like Manny, like Bill after Ken Resnick, the maestro, uh, Wes Briscoe. We got a, a great team here at VOC nation and uh, Manny's one of the newest members. So um, we're happy to have them. And Manny, before the break, we were talking about respect for the business and how hard it used to be to get into the business. I feel like now there's wrestling schools all over the place. Uh, lots of them all over the country but back when you came up you really had to be um gifted into the business invited. right people had to find invited. you and want to train you you had to be invited in the business you know somebody wanted to they had some pull and had some knowledge and, and you know was one of the main stays in the business you had to go through that you know there wasn't no wrestling schools you like i said you were either born into the business second generation of it family connected to the business or had to be one tough SOB sure. to survive a tryout. <laughs> and those tryouts weren't these so, so-called guys that are independent wrestling promoters that promote their own shows and they may have a wrestling school and don't know the first thing about tying up or how to get a ticket, uh, top wrist lock and make it into hammer lock. They think it's a top wrist lock into a top uh, wristwatch, you know, but no, these guys, it, the respect and training and the way you had to get in this business was a lot, had a lot to do with respecting the business. Oh yeah. And, and so talk, talk to me about the availability of wrestling. So if somebody wanted to get into wrestling back in the seventies, how would they have approached it? I mean, did, did you just have to know somebody? Was there, did you, could you call your local, uh, would you go in the phone book and search wrestling school and find one or how did that work? No. You had to be invited, like I said before. No, you had to you had to know somebody, number one. You really had to know somebody pretty good that was one of the guys that had connections in the business or a promoter in the business or one of the bookers that, uh, that knew they went around and booked every territory and saw you had potential or something. But you still had to go through a grueling uh, tryout. I mean, you know, there, there was no joke back then. You know, these guys literally tested you. They got you in the ring and put some, you know, they, they really locked the hold up. You know, they showed you how to cross face and an arm bar would, would break your arm or they get you, they got you in a lot of different ways. They teach you that every hold that they use in the business could actually break your arm, break your wrist, break your, break your ankle, snap your knee, turn Didn't your shoulder out. Didn't that happen a lot? I mean, I always hear the story about Hiro Matsuda breaking Hulk Hogan's leg on purpose to see if he would come yeah. back and, and do it again. Did that happen a lot? Stu Hart used to stretch people. There's famous stories about that. Uh, did you see oh, that? Yeah. Did you experience that? Well, no, I could, I could shoot. You know, I, I had amateur background. So most of the stuff, you know, some of the people that were came into pro wrestling, they didn't have no wrestling background. They were just tough guys, you know. They thought they could make it in the business. And, of course, they found out, you know, wrestling has 90% legit back then. It was 80% go and 20% show is what they used to call it. 
Well, they went pretty hard at one another, you know. After, like I say, when I started, that's what I respected about it. They're 80% go, now it's 100% show, you know. <laughs> you got them 20, 80, 20. But no, you, you know, there's guys like Luthaz and them, they would uh, get you in holes that you wouldn't get out of. They used to call them sugar holes. They could literally choke you out, make you pass out, or make so much pain in your wrist, you scream for them to let go. They just showed you that it was legit. Does that still happen today? So talk to me about you, because you, you're involved in a wrestling school today and you train people. Is that stuff that still goes on today or is that would that be an HR nightmare? Uh, I don't know about other schools, but I show my kids that every hole I teach them is a shoot. So I put it on them. I make them tap out so they know that they ain't no joke. And not only for that, as I teach my guys to defend it's like boxing. Defend yourself at all times. You never know what's going to happen. Sure. You never know if some guy's mad because he's not getting a push or he's jealous and because you made a little more money than you did and he tried to do something stupid in the ring. You got to defend yourself. You got to protect yourself. So I do teach my kids how to sugar people and how to get holes like Fujiwatas and cross face them and choke them out. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But half these guys that run these uh, schools that I've seen around the country – they couldn't even get you in a damn hammerlock. Much well, less teach you. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of gymnastics, a lot of acrobatics uh, in today's product. But, I mean, people, I don't think a lot of people know that you have, you have a, a, a long lineage in your coaching tree. Why don't you talk about some of the people that you've, you've coached along the way and some of the people that you've turned over to the big promotions. Uh, can you can you go into some of that and and the fundamentals of of how you you've made them into stars? You know, when I started training in in, in Amarillo territory, you know, Dennis Stamp, Dickie Murdoch, and, and Mulligan and them, you know, uh, they started training me. And when I started getting good to where I was having matches and I can go on and carry a 20, 15, 20 minute match that I had to do and you know Broadways draws or whatever you want to call them. And I started learning the psychology of the business. One of the first guys that came in that I influenced because I owed his dad, that was Barry Wyndham. Barry came to West Texas State as a freshman and something happened and, and he didn't stay in college. And next thing I know, he was my ring partner. And remember, I used to take the ring up and down the road by myself. And when Barry just dropped out of college, Barry was the one riding with me because his dad was there. And when Barry started, I was told that I had to get in the ring with Barry and show him everything I know. So me and Barry wrestled a lot. And you know how good Barry Windham is. He's a second generation, so it's already in his blood. So, you know, he turned out to be a great talent. Barry's one of the first guys that I influenced with what I was taught. Everything I teach people is what I was taught. It's not something I know. I just, you know, I showed him how to make it better. Because everybody steals from pro wrestling. Not that you, you know, somebody invented a move. No, they've been around 100 years. It's just how you apply that move, how you make it different when you apply it. It gets it over. Because a lot of people do it different. You know, to Tito Santana's flying elbow, my flying burrito. I consider it more vicious. It's sure. the same thing. You know, it's people, it's not a wrestling, it's not original. So everything you teach somebody, they got to take it and make it their own. Starting with Barry. And then I went from Barry when I started the Florida Territory. There was a young kid there by the name of Terry Taylor. 
Terry Taylor used to hang out in Tampa over there in Tampa Armory, and Terry would come around and talk to us, me and Barry. Me and Barry were young in the business. We were rookies in the business, you know. We just got started. And Terry would come around, and, you know, his dad, Terry never had to probably do anything in, in, in his life because his dad was one of the great doctors. He was a doctor. So he was pretty well off, but he wanted to be a pro wrestler. So he bugged me and Barry and he bugged us. And finally, I got to influence him a little bit. And Terry turned out to be a heck of a talent. You know, it's got a lot to do with himself. But I influenced him a little bit. I influenced a lot of people. But many of the people I trained fully and people that I took under and mentored, you know, starting with when I went uh, from there and, and Global Wrestling Federation, I influenced Booker King, Stevie Ray, and JBL. Uh, Brad Rangan sent me JBL. Brad Rangan's from Minnesota. You know, Brad Rangan's was a yeah. hell of a wrestler. Amateur. Amateur. World champion. Would have won a gold medal if we didn't boycott the Olympics. Because he already beat that Russian in the, in the world game, in the world match. Right. But uh, we sent him down because JBL was so stiff. So he said, oh, I'm going to send you to somebody who's just as stiff as you. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the guys that I enjoyed it for because they were young and you could talk kind of mold them and tell them and, and teach them psychology because they listen. You don't have that today. Everybody comes in thinking, oh, I'm going to be a wrestling superstar. I'm going to be a main eventer because I'm who, who I am. You're 150 pounds and you want to be a, a six foot 10, 300 pounder. You know, that's those kind of guys. They don't want to be influenced by that. But one of the people I fully trained, you know, I took a lot of time with a great one that I respect a lot in his business, our truth homicide, I influenced Homicide, Loki, but the one that I spent a lot of time with is Hard Truth. He was <laughs> he was one of my better students throughout my time. I mean, he spent a lot of time with me. You know, he came to me and because he was there with Jackie Crockett from the Crockett family, and Crockett told him, if you really want to learn pro wrestling, go to Manny Fernandez. And I appreciate him standing there. And I just enjoyed his enthusiasm, how he wanted to be so good, and his charisma. And, you know, and when, when he was good enough, good enough to have a heck of a match because me and him used to go out of the training because he wanted that challenge. He didn't want me just to come in and demonstrate. He wanted to wrestle me. So we had these fun matches, me and him. And I just said, dude, you need to go. You're good enough already. He said, no, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready because I want to wrestle you better. And, and, and he just, he stuck there for months after he was already qualified. He was already in there. And of course, First time he went to WWE was a R Truth, you know, or K K Quick, K Quick, yeah, K Quick, yep, yeah, K Quick is what they call him. And you know, he had a hard time there, and they let him go, and he came back home to me, and we trained again, and we went on the road together, me and him. And uh, I just told him, look, this business has a funny way of going in circles. It's it's like a bicycle, just the wheel, like a circle, the wheel just keeps turning. And don't give up on the wheel because it'll turn back to you. It'll come back. Just keep getting better. Keep getting better. And one day you'll be back up there. And then he went to TNA for a while. And then I knew he was going to go back after TNA. It was there. It was too good for there. So I knew he'd end up back with WWE. And that's what happened. Yeah. And went back to WWE. Is our truth. And now he's there forever. Yeah, he's uh, talk about somebody that that has longevity. I mean, he's he's really settled into that gimmick, and uh, he's entertaining. And you know, he's not probably never going to be the world champion because they've they've really just made him into a character. But 
he's made yeah. a lot of money and just being who he is. And, and I think there's something to that. And is that something that you teach Manny? Do you ever tell people, you know, not everybody's going to be at the top of the card. So settle into something that's going to make you money. Is that, is that something that is uh, happening no. in the old days that that's missing from today? No, you know, I was taught to be the best. They never wanted me to be an also ran everything like that. That's why I got such a big push in my uh, at a young stage of my career, you know. And that's what I teach my guys. I wasn't taught to be an also ran. I was taught to be a main eventer by a bunch of main event guys, guys that knew the business, they carried cards, they carried territories, they could main event all over the world, all over the world. These guys drew money. They put asses in the seats all their lives and careers, and still can. Terry Funk is still fill up in that auditorium, a civic center, whatever you put him in. He can still do that. These guys taught me that. And that's what I teach my kids. You can only be as good as you want to be, and nobody can do that better than you. So you decide what you want to do. And that's the influence I told all my guys. And all my guys have been great. All the guys I mentored, endured, spent time with, little time, whether it's a couple months, a year, whatever, or like our truth, a couple years. I mean, the bottom line is I taught him to be better than anybody else around him. Don't think you could be second best, be the best. You know, it's funny, and, Manny, because my, you know, my, uh, my primary career is in business and, and leadership. Um, I'm an executive I, in the telecom space and I've mentored so many people in my career. And I, I say that um, talent is a blessing and talent. There's, there's not, talent is uh, not within your control and there's a lot of talented people that never make it anywhere because they won't put in the work hard work is within your control and the rare combination of talent and hard work is when you see the the true superstars the rock and hulk hogan and uh, you know you know the list goes on but there's such a there's so many people that have lots of talent that just won't put the work in and they ne they don't go as far as they should. And that happens in sports too. Look at all the draft picks, number one draft picks that don't pan out, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. And in, in any sport, basketball, football, baseball, you could be the number one draft pick, doesn't guarantee you're going to be great. You know, same thing with wrestling. You can come in there and walk like a duck and then and leave walking out like a man. I mean, you know, you could teach if people want to learn, if they truly want to learn to be good, you could teach them to be good. But if they're too lazy to put in the work, like you said, it's never going to happen. Especially if you don't, you don't have a talented background and you basically never did nothing in your life except to sit on your butt and watch sports and then decide, oh, I want to be a pro wrestler. That's yeah. what's happened with a lot of people. They see it and they say, oh, that's easy. I can get into it. And you know what? It is now. I mean, <laughs> I've seen... I go in some places, and, you know, and a lot of th things that people don't get about the old days, and this is so important. In the old days, you had dressing room etiquette. You knew your place in that dressing room. You knew who to come up and, and, and stick your hand out and say, hi, my name's Manny Fernandez. Nice to meet you, sir. Hi, my name's Manny Fernandez. Nice to meet you, sir. And then go sit to your butt down and shut your mouth. The greatest thing I was taught in this business and what made me what I am today is shut up and listen, kid. And that's exactly what I did. I listened to everything that was going on around me. When Dusty was talking, finishes over here, 
all this going on over here. I listened to those old timers. I paid attention to what they were doing. That's part of the thing. That's part of learning the business. Open your ears and shut your mouth. And you that doesn't think, happen. Well, you think about some of the, the real greats in pro wrestling. I mentioned The Rock. You have Roman Reigns today, Yokozuna, and there's a whole, the, the Usos. They all come from the same family who had a school in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, the Wild Samoans, Afa and Sika, they, and that family has turned out so many great professional wrestlers. Did you spend a lot of time with exactly. Afa and Sika in your career? Oh, yeah. Well, that's fun. I've had fun with all the Samoans, starting with the first one I ever met was uh, Barbarian. Uh, yeah. I met him in the Kansas City territory when him and Saini came in, and they weren't booking him. He's basically starving, making like $100. $150 a week, so I'd always take him with me. Don't worry about trans. Don't worry about this and that. Try to help him out as much as I could. That's what got me. I guess him being close to all the Eskimos, he, I guess he passed the word on, hey, Manny, my brother Manny took care of me. Brother Manny took care of my bro. You know, and, and all of them, I've had great relationships. Often speaking of me, we had a great relationship because of that. But, you know, when you talk about schools, that's probably one of the best in the country. Yeah. The, the, you know why? Because they know wrestling and they were on top of every card from coast to coast, from Japan, you know, to Hawaii, you can name it where they've been. And they're two great guys. So what more can you learn from? Look at the the, the tree of wrestlers, the bloodlines that come down from that Alpen Seeker School. In Pensacola. I mean, they're fantastic. I mean, Yokozuna, for being the size of you, is when I met in Pensacola, I mm -hmm. never knew him until there. He thought I was his brother. Right away, it was instant, you know, brothership there, you know, and, and that guy was agile. He unbelievable what he could do for his size, you know. They, they ain't lazy. <laughs> They're far from it. He ate a lot, you know. <laughs> he ate about $50 worth of Waffle House one night, me, him, and Gary Albright. <laughs> <laughs> he ate everything on the menu, I think. But yeah, I mean, there was one time in Puerto Rico, me and Alfonsica, we had a big show, and, you know, the Puerto Rican there, Carlos Colon and Victor Jovica and that dumb uh, invader dude, whatever his name, I forgot his name, but, you know, they, they, they did a lot of, Steve, you know, they ripped you off. They had bad checks. They paid you by check and check would bounce, all that. So we wanted to get paid cash, and we wanted to pay cash that night, so we bugged them till we got our money. Of course, then we went to the casino to have fun. You get drinking all night, and, you know, just, you know off and Sika came out. They had their tank tops on with their lava lava on, and we went out and gambled and got drunk. I mean, drunk as hell. And we left that dead gun casino, and they were laughing, drunk and shit. And next thing you know, we're walking down the street, and they take off the lava lava, and they'll have nothing on. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and they called the cops, and the cops came, and often think they weren't going to put up with that. I mean, they're, I mean, these guys are tough, man. They were telling them cops to get out of their face and stuff. And then them cops drew the gun, and that's when the Spanish came out of me. Oh, yeah, go, go on the people. I got them, you know. Throwing out every Spanish word I could think of. Hey, don't eat that, you know. Oh. We're going home. Take it easy, take it easy you know. <laughs> that wow. got back, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've had a great life. That's all I can say. And I've had, you know, if I was to tell anybody, if you really want to learn and you're in that area, 
Don't go to these rinky dinks because here's my idea of pro wrestling, okay? My school is for $2,500. And I'll guarantee you the people I influence have got trained by me. When I have these schools going on, they never finished paying me because they got so good within six, seven months, I kicked them out. It's time for you to go make money. You're good enough. Go on the road. I call people for you. I'll get you bookings. You go over there. Now it's time for you to go out. The door. Same thing that was done to me. That's exactly what they told me. I wrestled a couple of times in, in the Amarillo territory, made a few shows, and then, you know, went and traveled a bit for three or four months. Next thing they said, nope, you're too good. You're going to Florida. Go get there on your own. We don't care how you get there. You got to be there this day at this time, and you better be there or else. Hmm. That was it. That's what I tell my kids. Same thing that was done to me, I do to them. You're good enough. Get out the door. Bye. See you later. You know? And and uh, and then back in those days, you had people helping you out once you got there, right? Because uh, everybody would make the loop and travel from territory to territory. And you ended up working with Terry Funk in Florida. And you had one of your your greatest career accomplishments in that territory. Yep. Yep. Hey, I'll tell you another funny story. Let's go back to our truth. When I could, when he was Kate Quick and he would go out and I booked him in territories, I get him bookings and stuff. And he would come back to train again because he's always wanted. You know, his big deal was to take me down. He literally wanted to shoot and take me down. You know, that was his big deal. He just wanted to take me down. You know? But he'd come back and he'd tell me, how come every time I go to the dressing room, I come back and people say, damn, that's pretty good what you do out there. Who trained you? He goes, Manny Fernandez. He goes, and their eyeballs as big as silver dollars once I say your name. <laughs> I go, oh, well. I mean, that's just the way he put it. It's so funny. Why would somebody's eyeballs get that big? Because <laughs> they thought he was going to shoot on them. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what everybody, man, he teaches everybody how to shoot. Well, of course I do. <laughs> of course I do. Why wouldn't I teach my kids to defend themselves? You know, and another thing about that, like we were talking about before we get to that. Here's, here's my theory. If a guy's good enough in six months, why are you keeping him around? To steal his money? Because that's basically what you're doing then. You know, if you're good enough in six months to go and get a shot to do it on your own, then go kick the guy out. That's, they don't have to pay you for the two. For My deal is if you're good enough in three months to carry on a 10, 15-minute match without stopping, then you're good enough to go out there and, and make it on your own. But that happened so back, back in the day and prior to, let's say, you know, before the 80s, certainly. But didn't people that trained talent, they would basically take control of their career and take a portion all the way through. You heard those, those stories about Moolah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I can't place names, but I've heard plenty of those stories where, you know, whoever trained you is essentially your agent, gets you booking and bookings in all the territories, and they own a piece yeah. of your life. Yeah, I heard of guys that would make guys sign a contract when they're in training, that if they get signed by WWE, WCW, that they get 10% of their earnings for two years. And that's a bunch of thieves. That's all that is. I wouldn't sign. I would never my guys don't even sign contract. Their contract handshake. And word of mouth. I trust you. I wouldn't need you to sign anything. If you want to be trained, you'd be here every day. And if you're going to be here every day, I know I'm not going to train you if you don't got your money. And when you're done being trained and good enough, you got the door. I'm not going to, that's stealing money in my book. You're stealing money from somebody. If they're good enough to go make their own money, 
then let them go make their own money. Why would you keep them around? Well, I got you under contract. If you stop now, I'm going to uh, make sure you pay me for the next two years. That's so stupid. That's so stupid. They want to hold up the court anyway. Are That's you crap when to hold up the court anyway. <laughs> are you able to train during COVID? Is that still going on? Is your school still happening? Uh, I have uh, three people that I'm training right now. That's because they've been with me before, uh, from the start. Right. Everybody's been careful. Everybody's been sure they and you know the temperature checks for the come and everything. Everybody makes sure that I'm protected. I'm the one with all the you know mental uh, health problems and stuff. You know underlying conditions that I say with my liver damage from Agent Orange and stuff like that. My kidney. So they're. They're the ones that I keep. No, I'm not taking any more new people. And, and even though people call, no, I'm not taking a chance on that because I still got a lot of things to do in my life. Still to accomplish. You know, I'm just starting, really. You know, I'm, I'm not even getting to my golden age yet. I got a, still a lot of things to accomplish. I want to give back to much as a profession as it gave to me. It's like I told you before, it's the only profession I know that a person could get five divorces, support five wives, and still make money to, to take care of himself. <laughs> God bless you. I'm on three. Yeah, you know I, I I haven't. I'm not going to get divorced again. But three, three, and, and I'm done. I have two beautiful children, and um, if I mess this up, it's all my fault. Yeah. Well, basically, all always our fault anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, Manny, this this was fun. This was a, a fun show, fast moving. Uh, the uh, the show went by fast and uh, all about training. And, and, you know, we intended to talk more about the Samoans, but I think just the perspective you have on respecting the business and the fundamentals that you you have when you go out to teach the business is important. And I think a lot of independent workers and people that are aspiring should go and listen to this show and and we'll continue to talk about this uh this kind of thing in the coming week because manny you're all about if i know you for anything uh you're more passionate about the respect than you are about anything else yes yes and that's that's one one of the things getting back we got a little time there's a there's a guy here in texas he just rips people off it's one of those guys that tries to put you on contract, take your money. He goes on the road with you, and you wrestle for a promotion. He makes the promoter give you the money for them. Then he keeps the money. Oh, and then he said the, the promoter's giving him the money, and, and then he keeps yeah. it. And then he keeps the money. So the kids go home with nothing. Yes. And that's, just, that's, that's his excuses. Well, you're paying your dues. That's not the way I paid my dues. If I wrestled, I got paid. Sounds like Back extortion. Then, got What's that? Sounds like extortion to me. Yeah, that's basically what it is. That's why I say, you know, if you're doing him, training a person beyond what he needs to be trained, then you're stealing money. That's all it is. You're just stealing money. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Well, we'll continue yeah. to keep the conversation going in the coming weeks. Uh, no BS with the bull, Manny Fernandez right here on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed. Remember, you can skip the commercials if you uh, just pay $3 a month and a good portion of that money ends up going to Manny. So if you're a big fan of Manny's work, 
Uh, make sure you support him and support all of our talent here at VOC Nation. It's just $3 a month and you get commercial free access. You get video versions of most of our shows. Uh, go to premium.vocnation.com. We thank you whether you're listening there or listening for free on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed. Manny, you, uh, you're going to any big plans for the weekend? Are you going to go out and do anything now that the weather's nice? No. Just hang out with my service dog, take him to the park, and basically it. I'm still staying away, basically quarantining myself, basically, till everything comes out. I do go to the VA in March. You know, next week, next week, I get my first uh, COVID shot, so I'll a lot better than that. So well, I'm getting that done. That's that's awesome. I uh, we're still stuck on phase one A in Pennsylvania, so I'm I'm still waiting and and I'm not, not going to hold my breath. But I I hope to get mine soon. And uh, you know everybody's just got to keep doing the right thing, and we'll get back to normal eventually. Yep, that's it. Back All right, Manny. Remember, remember, we do this to keep the haters happy. Yes, yes. <laughs> there we go. All right, another great fast-moving week, and we will uh, talk to you all uh, next week on No BS with the Bull. Make sure you just hit follow, like, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Look for the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed. You get all of our shows right there. That's it for this week for the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. I'm the voice of choice, Bruce Wirt, and we'll talk to you next week on No BS with the Bull.